Praise God. Thank you, Lord. If you brought your Bible with you today, go ahead and get them out. Got your Bible apps. You can open those up, fire them up, and uh, go with me over to the book of John. If you know where John is, he hangs out near Luke and Acts, right in the middle. Uh, The book of John, chapter 1. John, the first chapter. I I began last week to share with you along a certain lines, and uh, and the, the title of this is Finding Frank 2. Finding Frank 2. Say, so why is it 2? Well, because a while, a while back, we did a message called Finding Frank. And I knew I was supposed to go along that same thought pattern, not the same message per se, but the same concept, the same principle, again. So I could come up with a new name, or I could do it 2. I mean, they do that in Hollywood all the time, don't they? Same title, two. So there could be a three or a four or a five. I don't know. We'll see where we go with that. Finding Frank, two. John chapter one, John chapter one, verse 40. It reads, uh, one of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew Simon Peter's brother. Now look at this, verse 41. He first found his own brother, Simon. What did he do? He found him. And said to him, we have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ, and he, and he brought him to Jesus. Now when Jesus looked at him, he said, you are Simon, the son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated a stone. The following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee. And he found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter, verse 45. Philip found Nathanael. And said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And so we see in this passage that there was a process, there was a pattern that they followed. We see that Andrew found Peter, and Peter found Philip, and Philip found Nathanael. This process not only began during this time, but it continues until this day, the time in which we live And our job is to keep it going. In other words, that the people who are found would then turn into finders. All right? We don't want there to be, and I was found, period. End of the story, end of discussion, end of the process, it's done. No, I was found, and then I immediately was transformed into a finder. Yeah. And and, and that's why we call this message... Finding Frank. Now, if you're wondering who Frank is, if your name is Frank, uh, then we're not talking about you, per se, a little bit. Uh, but Frank is an acronym, in our case, in this situation, for uh, friends, relatives, associates, neighbors, and kids. All right, we're talking about the people that are among us, the people that are around us. Um, if we're going to find Frank, just like I am Frank, and I was found, and, uh, and you were, many of you were already found. If we're going to find him, where should we start? Where, where do we look for Frank? I think this, the best place is to look close to you. In other words, I recognize there are individuals who are uh, evangelists at heart, and maybe evangelists by call, and they're outgoing, and they're very quick to engage strangers, people they don't know. 
And they'll talk to anyone at any time in any place about the Lord and love doing it. And then there are others who think uh, that, you know, scares me a bit. <laughs> they are frightened by that, that thought that they, they would share the Lord with a complete stranger. Well, uh, I applaud those who do. And for those who don't and can't see themselves doing that, that doesn't exclude us. You remember we said that even the most uh, introverted among us are, are influencing thousands and thousands of people through our lives. We really are. But we start with those close. You, you, you recall the Scripture says uh, that we are to love our neighbors as ourselves. Think about that word neighbor. Who, who is my neighbor? Well, the, the word means uh, those who are near. The word neighbor means those who are close by, all right? Not necessarily talking about the person who lives in the house next to you, although they would be close, right? But we start with people who are close to us, our friends, our relatives, associates, our neighbors, our kids. Uh, we start with those who are near us. That, that's, that's most logical. And it's also somewhat easier because you already know them. You already have a relationship with them, and, and, and God wants to reach them. But I begin to consider uh, the fact that so many individuals feel insufficient, incapable, and, uh, and almost set up for, for failure or disappointment, or, and that's why they never engage in this process. The, the process of being found and then finding, it, it, it kind of stops with them. Uh, but, but I begin to do the math. I like to do that with a lot of scriptures. When the Lord promises, He says one thing, I, I kind of work it out and say, if that, then this. If that's true, then this must also be true. And, and when it comes to recognizing that God uses one person to reach another, and He used someone to reach me, and then He uses me to reach someone else, I have to conclude that there is a God presence, a God element, a God activity in my life in order to make that happen, in order for it to be successful. Okay? If God's plan is not that He would reach individuals directly, but He would reach them through other people, then there must be a God element in me. And so when I take a step of faith to engage Frank in my life, God goes to work. You see how I did that math? See how I concluded that? And you should conclude the same thing about your own life. Don't be quick to disqualify yourself and say, well, that's for some and others, and I don't know if I'm good enough, and I probably need a few classes or a few years of classes. And there's some people who have been believers for 10 years, for 20 years, and they're still not qualified in their own mind. They still can't be used. God can't really use them because of all their deficiencies and inadequacies. And so they've set themselves aside apart from God's plan, and they're missing out in the great joy that comes through the power and wisdom of God flowing through them. I remember years ago t taking, a, taking a missions trip, and one particular person who went on the trip was a young lady who was a, who was a new believer. And she's very immature, immature spiritually, immature emotionally, didn't have a, a great knowledge and depth in God's Word. But I remember, I remember thinking, I don't know if this person should come. I was hesitant to take her along. I thought this could, be, this could create some drama. You ever been in those situations where one person makes drama for everyone? And, uh, and I was, you know, I was good to know that my foresight was accurate because she did. 
<laughs> but what was interesting, though, in addition to that, was on the way, we're flying on an airplane going to, going to Panama, and, uh, and I'm watching this person, this brand new believer, hardly knows anything, uh, but has a heart to, to help, has a heart to serve people, and she is leading people to the Lord on the airplane. I mean, and they were not even the people we were going to see. She's like getting a head start leading Americans on the airplane to the Lord. I'm thinking, and all of us who had been, you know, saved a long time, we weren't doing anything. <laughs> we were waiting to get there to start. You know what I'm talking about? And, and, and so we don't ever want to disqualify ourselves and say, God can't use me. He wouldn't be able to, to work through me. Absolutely, He can. I mean, from the day you accept the Lord Jesus, you get some spiritual goods that can be used by Him to affect eternity. And this is good news that, that, that this, is, this is the case. I, I want to point out a couple of verses to you so you understand the heart of God towards all people. Uh, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse, verses 3 and 4, listen to this. It reads, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior who desires all men to be saved. Notice that language. How, how many to be saved? All to be saved. And to come to the knowledge of the truth. What's God's will? What's God's desire? Is that all would be saved. Yeah, yeah. And then another one that's closely related. Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. It reads, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so both of those kind of saying the same thing in a different way. It is the will of God that everybody be saved, that everybody would know Him, come to truth, that everyone would repent and turn to Him. Do you have some people in your life that you want saved? You have some family members, some friends, some people you care about that you've been praying for, and you want them to have a relationship with God. You want them to come to the Lord. Here's the good news. God wants it more. He wants it more than you want it. He, it's, it's His desire. And you never have to question, even for a moment, does He really want this to happen? And you know how people sometimes will do that. They will interpret circumstances, and their circumstances will define God rather than the other way around. You know, sometimes we do that uh, with, with, with healing. Someone will, someone will say, well, if God wants this person to be healed, then they'll be healed. And if they're not healed, then I guess God didn't want them to be healed. Well, see, that's bad logic. We don't see that lined out in Scripture, that that's how you determine the will of God by what you see and feel. Just the opposite. God is looking for people who will stand up in the face of defying circumstances and say, no, this is what the Word of the Lord says. No, this is what God has promised me. No, this is what He said in His Word. No, this is what Jesus did on the cross. And I declare and I actually demand that this be the way that this circumstance end up. Amen. Amen. See, we're not, we're not going backwards and saying, well, if it didn't happen, I guess God didn't, will, wasn't there. Well, what about all the people that aren't saved? Well, I guess God didn't want them saved. No, I'm pretty sure He wants them all. Amen. So what do we do? Knowing that reality... Knowing the fact that we could talk to any person on the planet today, we know that God is willing and desirous of that person to be in a relationship with Him. Because we know that, we work to that end, and doing the math, hmm, He wants that person. He wants them more than I want them. Thank you, Lord. You're going to help me, aren't you? 
What's the answer to that? Yes. In fact, the very fact that the fact that we even want that is a sign that God wants it. Because if it weren't for Him working in us, we would be selfish. We would be self-centered. We would say, I'm good. I'm good to go. Who cares about anyone else? Praise God. And so, uh, there is a spiritual battle going on for truth. The enemy really is endeavoring to stop people from seeing the truth. Because remember, Jesus said the truth will make you free. So the enemy wants to stop truth from getting to individuals. So he's going to do everything in his power to get you and I to be quiet. He's going to do everything in his ability to try to keep us quiet. Whether it's through distraction, we're busy, we don't pay attention to this stuff. Or through intimidation, I can't do that. Or through fear, what if they reject me? What if they do something? Whatever the strategy is, the enemy is trying to keep our mouths closed to stop this amazing word from heaven, this amazing message of God's love and grace from getting any further. Keep it contained. Yeah? And the culture works that way. It's kind of going that way in society. You can have your little faith. You can have your little belief, your little Christianity thing. Just keep it in your buildings. Don't let it get out. Right? That's been working for decades. Keep it out of the public school system. Keep it out of the public square. You know, uh, anytime... You know, they make movies, and sometimes they make movies about good stories or good books, but, you know, you get like Disney or someone who gets a hold of it, and they'll pull all the God out of it every time. All of a sudden, there'll be no God in it, right? It's right. Keep that to yourself, and we don't, we, we don't want to have that out there. That's the enemy at work, where God is working in us just the opposite to say it more, to say it louder, to say it clearer, to say it better. And he's working in, the, in us because this is his plan. He would reach one, and they would reach another, and they would reach another, and Frank would find more Franks. Yeah. Praise God. And so, uh, along these lines, listen, I really believe that our church is not, an, is not an average church. It's not supposed to be. That we are, what do I mean? It's just not... We're very much, at least I try, I'm working real hard, that we would be less religious than most. Really. And more results-oriented. More fruit. In other words, not that we got everyone to do their role and play their part and pay their money and do all their things and everyone acted right. And No, 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 no. Results. I want salvations and I want healings and Holy Spirit baptisms, and answers to prayer, and victories, and lives turned around, and addictions broken. Yeah. And what? And if that doesn't happen, uh, I'm just totally not into this. I'll go do something else. But because that, I think we keep going down this direction. This is definitely not an, not an average place. Um, and I say that to say this. We like that part of it. Many of you have experienced God and you're thankful for that. They also tell us, I say they, you know they? They say a lot of things. But some of those who do statistics and those who do studies, that kind of stuff, they tell us things like that like 2% of Christians ever invite anyone else to church. And I think, well, it's a good thing that our church is not average. It's a good thing that we are not conforming to that dead, dry, sleeping pattern of the body of Christ. Because if that's true, I don't know 100%. But if that's true, yikes. 
But that's not true here. That's not who we are. We are not conforming to that little minuscule finding Frank. We got 2% of the people finding Frank. No, we're going to recognize that God lives in and works through every single one of us. And we can, rise, we can rise up to a higher place of usefulness and definitely excel where others are conceding to defeat. And so let me, let me share this, these four things with you. This will help. It's really only one, but I've broken it down to four. Uh, we need confidence. We need boldness. I, I, I have recognized in my own life that when I will do something or say something, pray something, but I'll do it in a bold way based with conviction of the reality of God's promise and His presence that the situation turns out differently. But if I will just kind of meander, you know, just kind of sheepishly approach a situation, a circumstance, a challenge in life, if I just kind of sheepishly approach it, it doesn't change. Now, God's the same. His Word is the same. But the, the, the key component is that I would engage this circumstance and this situation in a different way. All right. In other words, we can't water it down. And there's a tendency, if there's intimidation or if there's fear, if there's concern of, of a failure, that we will water it down instead of pr boldly moving forward. Does that make sense? Uh, sometimes we'll change. You watch this. Uh, you hear it in preaching. You hear it in prayers sometimes. We'll change a God will into a God can. And I, well, I believe that God can do this. Well, fine. Pastor Doug talked about that the other day. Uh, I believe that God can. Well, fine, you believe He can, but that's not going to change anything. But we lack the conviction sometimes to say, you know what? He said it in His Word, and I believe God was going to do this, and He's going to do it right here, right now. Amen. See, if I have this awareness of Him in my life that when I talk to Frank, when I approach any difficulty or challenge in life, that God is there in the middle of it to make something happen, man, my confidence goes through the roof. And that's what we need, all right? This produces results. So here we go. Here we go. This is very simple and very powerful. Number one, this has helped my confidence, helped my boldness. Number one, God is with us. Something we all need to know, that God is with us. Th this was a common statement or a promise given to people throughout the Bible who were given instruction to do something for him. That the Lord would follow with this, um, uh, this promise, this statement. Because he'd tell people to do things at times that were like beyond them. That's one of the ways sometimes I think maybe we find out that it is God. Because <laughs> if it's beyond what we're comfortable with, beyond what we're able to do, it's going to take him to make it work. But he would tell people, go here, do this, say this, and they would shrink back. They'd be like, ah, yikes, I don't know if I can do that. I don't think I can. He would say, but I'll be with you. And that very statement would change everything. Um, he, he told individuals like in Genesis 18, he told Jacob, I'll be with you. In Deuteronomy 31, he told Israel that. In Joshua chapter 1, he said to Joshua, remember he fought the battle of Jericho. He said, I will be with you you. He told Solomon in 1 Chronicles chapter 28, again, I will be with you. Gideon over in, 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 in 1 Kings chapter 6, he equated God's presence with miracles. 
He said, if God is here, then, then there, were, there would be miracles there. And it's interesting how sometimes we have watered down the, the, the presence of God to not have any practical effect. Meaning, listen, believers all day long are quick to acknowledge God with us, at least to some degree. If we were to go around the room and say, hey, is God with you? 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 You know, most of us would say, yeah, yeah, God's with me. But if we were to go back and say, what does that mean? What does that mean? What does that mean? (laughs) What does that mean? What, what, What does that practically mean in your life? In the way they interpreted it in Scripture is if God was with you, then the provision's going to be there. Never going to be without. If God was with you, then uh, protection was going to be there. You're not concerned about an attack or about something that's going to harm you because, I mean, God's with me. Seriously, like what, what could go wrong? If God was with you, it ensured victory. And that's exactly what the Lord was communicating with them. I want you to go here. I want you to do this. I want you to say this. And I'm going to be with you. And immediately peace would come. We got this. But sometimes I think we now say, oh yeah, God's with me, but we don't expect any real tangible results. God's with me, but man, this is a hard thing. No, 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 no. He's with you. That's a guarantee of success in this endeavor. Praise God. Let's not use these spiritual terms, these phrases, these God being with us, and, and suck out the power from them. Suck out the tangible element of God being with us in our lives. It really produces real living results. So what about us? Is God with us? I mean, is that just a blanket statement that He's with everyone all the time? No, no, not with everyone all the time. But if you're in the new covenant, if you've been born of His Spirit and you're in the family of God, good news. Because He is. In fact, Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5. Reads, let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Do you notice where the boldness comes from? The boldness is connected. He'll never leave me. If I am consciously aware of His presence, I say what I say and do what I do knowing that He's going to back me up. His presence is there. And what man can do to me? You kidding me? God is with me. How many think that's an awareness we all need to have? Come on, say it out loud with me today. Say, I believe that God is with me. Amen. If He's with me, that means He's not with them. So who's them who? Well, them anyone opposed to him. Them who haven't joined the team yet. He's still recruiting. You can join the team and God will be with you too. But he's with me, not with them. He's with you. He's not with them. Praise God. And so God is with us. Number two, ready? God is in us. God is in us. 1 Corinthians 3.16. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells in you. Yeah, 1 John 4, 4, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them because He who is in you is greater than He who is in the world. And so this is not like 
uh, like some things that we just have, some things we possess. You ever gotten in your car and driven off and headed to wherever you were going, and you got a few miles down the road, you ah, man, I forgot my, what'd you forget? Your phone, your wallet, your child. Uh, uh, oh, well, we've done that before. We left them at church. Uh, <laughs> Oops. <laughs> but then their siblings say, it's because you were adopted. <laughs> oh, I know that's sad how they do that to each other, though. <laughs> uh, but anyway, we, 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 can, we, can, we, we can forget things, right? But how many know once the Lord moves in, He's not just living next door to you, He's living in you. And wherever you go, He goes. Come on now. You go to work, he goes to work. You go to the mall, he goes to the mall. You go to your house, he goes to your house. Yeah, he's, it's, all, it's a fact. Now, not because we feel him. Not because, oh, I feel God right now. No, whether you feel him or don't feel him, he's there because he is in you and he is greater than anything in the world. Amen. Praise God. So that's number two. Number three, God is for us. So he's with us, he's in us. He is for us. Romans 8.31 reads, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Now that might seem obvious. We quote scriptures like that and sing songs about that. Uh, but there are, there are believers today, Christians, who aren't sure sometimes if God is on their side. They feel like God is against them. They feel like they're working in life, they're doing things, and God is not with them. He's, he's actually opposed to them. You know, uh, Joshua had a situation one day. It says a man appeared to him, which was obviously the Lord or an angel or something. And, and, and when he, he appeared, he, he stopped and asked. He said, wait a minute, uh, are, like, are you with us or are you with them? <laughs> okay, we should never be concerned. Now, in the New Testament, in the New Covenant, God is on our side, period. He is for us and not against us. What if I've screwed up? What if I've done some poor, made some poor choices in life? Uh, probably have. Join the club. He's still for you. He's not against you. He is on your side, and, uh, and, and that's the way this new covenant works. He's just always backing us up. It's good. And then, the, the, then number four, here's the fourth thing, and the first three lead up to this, okay? He's, he's with us. He's in us. He's for us. And it's so that he can, number four, work through us. God works through us. He doesn't work independent of us. I know sometimes we want him to do that. God, it's going to be all you. It's going to be all God. <laughs> I like that prayer. All you, Lord. That way you get all the glory. And so we're dismissing ourselves from the process. So it is, Lord, just do it. I'm going to stand back and watch. And he says, no, I'm not doing it without you. It really is his plan. I mean, if he were doing it all alone, it would be done and it would be uh, handled, but that's not his, the way he works. He works through us. So stop praying that. Lord, I just want this to be all you. <laughs> you know, sometimes people, they say, I want to be filled with the Spirit, but that, you know, that's speaking in a heavenly language. That's going to be all God or I'm not going to do it. You'll never do it. It'll never be all God. It'll be God working through you. Amen. 
There's a reason why we have so many scriptures about praying this way and laying hands on people and speaking the Word and speaking to our mountain. And some people are just praying, Lord, move my mountain. No, He didn't say He would move your mountain. He said, you should move your mountain. Mark eleven twenty three 23 says, you speak to the mountain. I know we want it to be another way, but God designed that it would be this way. We're always involved in the process. We're always involved in the equation. So the reason He's with us, the reason He's in us, the reason He's for us is so that He could work through us, not independent of us, work through us. If we say, I don't know about that, well, that's why we're talking, so we can start knowing about it. Mark 16 and verse 20, it reads this way, and they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the Word through accompanying signs. Well, what did He do? He worked with them, not independent of them. He didn't just go out and do signs and wonders and miracles. He worked with them. And particularly, when they spoke His Word, it gave God permission. It gave God something to use so He could do what He wanted to do all along. I tell you, the will of God is what it is. Jesus, that's why he said, pray my will. The Father's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. There is a will of God that's not always being done. And sometimes it is contingent upon a person who will not only do this, but they will do it from a foundation of belief. God is with me. He is in me. He is for me. And he wants to move through me. And if I proceed from that vantage point, from that confidence point, that place of conviction. Now when I speak the word, I believe the Lord is saying, thank me. I don't know. Uh, you know how do you say thank God? He's saying, finally. He's saying, my people are getting my word in their mouth. And now I can do something. Because that's what he did. As soon as they went out, where'd they go? Everywhere. Good news. This works everywhere. And they preached the word the Lord worked with them. So what's my job in this? My part of this equation, my success in finding Frank, my ability to step into a place of usefulness to God, to where I'm no longer sitting on the sideline observing. I'm no longer one of those, you know, average Christians who never finds Frank. I'm, I'm no longer on the side. I'm stepping into that. My job is to, again, live with a consciousness and awareness, and even acknowledge it. Say, Lord, I thank you that you're with me. I believe according to your word, you said you would never leave me. So you're with me today. And I, I believe that, that, you, that you are in me. You're, you're, your word tells me that you're in me and, and, and that you're, you're for me. Man, what in the world can stand against us, Lord? And that's our, that's our confidence. Now I'm going to go speak your word. And that works if I speak the word over my own life or works with someone else's life or I'm talking to Frank. As I speak the word of the Lord, it is not about my intelligence or my experience or my great verbiage or me having just excellent and perfect language. It is about I am convinced that God uses it. And as soon as we take that step of faith, He goes to work. And when He goes to work... That's the only way good results happen anyway. Amen. I'm in the kingdom because someone shared with me, as I told you previously, and when they were speaking, God was in me working. I find this happens. Sometimes, 
sometimes it happens right in the middle of while I'm teaching in a service like this. I begin to say something, and as soon as I say it, I know. It's like I almost want to go, because mm, I know God is right on the inside of someone going, <laughs> and I think this is awesome now. This is totally, we've moved beyond human ability and my preparation and my, my talent or gifts. We've moved into the realm of God where we speak His Word and by His Spirit, He gets a hold of people. Boom. By His Spirit, all of a sudden, bodies get healed. By His Spirit, people get answers. I like it. I like it a lot. <laughs> Amen. Because I like it because it's happening in here today too. Yeah. The Spirit of God is dealing with us to raise our confidence, to raise our boldness, to remove fear, to acknowledge His presence. It's with us everywhere we go. Not just when we're in church and sometimes we feel the goosebumps. Ooh, yeah, glory to God. He's with us when we don't. He's with us when we feel dry. We feel nothing. Thank God He is. Miracles are pretty cool tools to have along with you whenever, wherever you go. And that's what the Lord said He'd do. He worked with them, confirming His Word with signs following. So can you imagine yourself just speaking and the only thing you're equipped with is words? Okay, God will work with words. He'll convict. He'll do things. But what if you also had, just like they had, that God would take those words and He would back them up with signs? And if you knew that, how would that affect your demeanor towards people? How about we speak with an expectation? Now watch, God's going to do something here. And we're listening on the inside if He tells us to do anything. But we're expecting I'm, this is not just me having a conversation about math, conversation about science, conversation about the weather. This is me having a conversation with a person about eternal things. And when I switch the subject to that, God goes to work. Cool, what's going to happen here? Now watch, there he goes. He goes to work in people. And sometimes you say, hey, so what's going on? I'd want to, not only, I want you to know how much God loves you. You've been struggling with something in you. Have you been having some physical problems in your body? Could I pray with you? Well, why would you say that? Because you believe that He's in you and with you and for you and that He wants to work through you. Why would you even broach that subject? Because you believe in the God that you serve, that He's the God, the creator of all the universe, and He lives in you and wants to use you. And so you start talking in ways that you wouldn't talk if you didn't believe that. You start making outrageous claims that you can't back up, but you know He can. You know that he's with you and he'd been looking for an opportunity to do something. He wanted to work in someone's life, but, but no one would be bold enough and confident enough to say, here he is. He wants to do it for you. And we pray and God moves and we speak and God moves and we lay hands on people and, and God moves. See, finding Frank is not just about natural talent, not just about natural ability or human influence. There is a God element to this that we need to embrace. Say it out loud again. Say it with me. Say, I believe that God is with me. I believe that God is in me. I believe that God is for me. I believe that God works through me. Now put out your hands, if you would, before me, just as a, an, a, an expression of an open heart. And say it with me. Say, Father, 
I yield myself as a vessel you can use. Work through my life. Flow through these hands. Use my words. Your words in my mouth. Use me. And I thank you that wherever I go, you go. We go together. And you confirm your word through my life with signs following. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Lord.